It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and I am the host of this podcast. And today uh, we're joined by Jim Daniker. Uh, Jim, how's it going, man? Doing good. Doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing awesome. good. We're exp- I, I'm in California. We're experiencing like it feels like a Nashville level humidity today. And I'm not I'm not real thrilled about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not a humidity guy. And uh, yeah, me either. We're we're like we're over here like ugh, what happened to the dry heat? It's it's not here right now. <laughs> yeah, well, Nashville's been like the Amazon this summer. I mean, it usually is, but it, it just seems more than usual. Oh, us. interesting. So yeah, never good. It's never good. Yeah, well, we do have a lawn for the first time out front in in years <laughs> because it's rained so much. <laughs> uh, oh, so. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, hey, tell us about you. Tell us about Jim. Um, kind of your backstory and. And where are you coming from? Well, um, just where to start. Grew up in the 70s and 80s. Um, it, my dad was a pastor. And so uh, I kind of grew up in, in church. And uh, and then through the 80s in my formative years, uh, grew up on a steady diet of probably a combination of film music, you know, John Williams, especially Star Wars, E.T., Indiana Jones, all that stuff. Uh, and then a ton of 80s pop music and then a, a good bit of, um, you know, the burgeoning CCM world at the time, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, you know, primarily and, you know, one or two others. But um, then I decided I wanted to pursue that and moved to Nashville in 1995. And six months later, got a uh, job with Michael W. Smith. And that lasted for 27 years until Crazy. this past February. I, I finally retired. Um, uh, retired from that, I should say, but yeah. um, jumped into a whole new career phase uh, to pursue a a new dream, and and that ideally will keep me busy for the the next several years at least. Yeah. So that's the short, short, short version. Oh, I love it! I love it, and uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second because I want to know more about that. Um, but you mentioned love, uh, being a lover of John Williams. Mm-hmm. My wife and I uh, earlier this summer got to see him at the Hollywood Bowl, conduct oh, the L.A. Philharmonic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Best concert I've ever been to in my he, entire life. The, yeah. That guy, oh, man. He played He's, all, I mean, he not all of us hit the, the main, but it was like he, he did the E.T. And yeah. um, I didn't realize he wrote the music for the Olympics, the Song oh, of yeah. the Champions, gosh. and um, and then uh, Star Wars. And it, we were towards the back, and when the Star Wars music came on, everybody brought their lightsabers out. <laughs> so it's just lightsabers and this iconic venue. It was amazing. Yeah. It was, he's, he's done that so many times. And, and, uh, he came to Nashville in 2017 to conduct the Nashville symphony. And it was the same, you know, same kind of program. And it was one of the best nights of my life. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely incredible. Oh, so, so good. He's just, yeah. yeah, it was it 91 years old and, uh, just stand, yeah. standing on stage. And I'm like, this is, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah. He's an icon. Yeah. I love it. Hey, so, uh, this month we've been talking about stage presence earlier this month, and I wanted you got to 
Do you have a funny story? Like I like to start off with like funny story from stage, something that maybe happened when you were on tour or a stage experience you've had where it's like that blew up and you didn't experience it, didn't know it was coming or tell us, oh, tell us a man. funny story. Well, there's gosh, on one hand, after doing that for 27 years, they all kind of run together. So yep. I, you know, I wish I could think of something really specific. Um, there were countless, you know, a lot of times it's just silly stuff that, you know, inside jokes stuff, you know, were we, well, here's one. Back in, I don't know what the year was, but um, remember the TV show 24 with Keith oh, yeah. Sutherland? We all, as a band, we got so into that show that, um, you know, it was addictive. It <laughs> and was, it was, a, it one, was more, Michael's, one more episode, one more episode. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was Michael's Christmas tour with a full symphony, and we were just binging episodes. We actually delayed the start of a show so that we could finish an episode. Um, and then I think it was that same night, you know, we typically get together in Michael's dressing room and, and, you know, have a quick prayer time and all that kind of stuff. So we're all making our way to the stage and Michael ducks into the restroom before, you know, and didn't bother to tell anybody. So we get up there and we start the show with, you know, a 60 piece orchestra. No, Michael, <laughs> nobody, I mean, nobody communicated. And so you know, the conductor's looking over, you know, his entrance comes and goes and the background singers, you know, just start carrying it. And we're all just looking around like, what is happening here? And he walks on like at the end of the first song and we're like, is he mad? You know, cause it's, he didn't tell us. And, um, and the first thing out of his mouth was, you know, in front of, I don't know what it was, 15,000 people. He said, you'd think they would tell the artist that the show is starting. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just one. I mean, there's a million things I could think of. But, you know, a lot of times it's stuff like that where just something goofy happens and, and uh, you know, you think of a joke somebody told, you know, in catering that afternoon and it hits you at the wrong time and you just bust out laughing. And Yeah, I mean, it's there's so many stories like that that's amazing i wish i, I, just, I should have remembered i should have written them all down <laughs> no that's right in you yeah i, I always love the stage stories because we're all like oh totally oh oh he did oh great i feel better mm -hmm. about missing my entrance and i feel better right. about that that i feel like i'm part of like uh everybody does everybody has these problems and so they're they right. they're always you're always uh yeah so yeah. i love it yeah hey well this uh this I wanted to talk to you about what you got going on. For one, you're, you're you're kind of leaving one one world and entering and entering a new a new space. Twenty seven mm -hmm. years on the road doing this doing something, and you just kind of go, "I'm ready to go do this new thing." Mm -hmm. um, in that, like, what what drives you to continue to create as a creative and somebody who's like constantly, like, you could you could have sat, you could have done continued on the road and not mm -hmm. and not gone off to do something different. And, you know, for a lot of people, you go, oh, like, that's work. Like, you're you're doing this, and it's a thing. And, like, you're playing, and you're traveling, and doing the thing. But you're like, no, I'm going to go do this new thing. Like, what kind of mm -hmm. drives you to go this? I want to I go create this new thing over here and, and, and try it and see what happens. Well, gosh, there's so many aspects to that. Um, I think one of them, and, you know, and in no particular order, you know, when you do something for so long, I think as a creative person, you eventually just start getting restless and you start wondering is, am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? Am I using my gifts to their full potential? Um, you know, and of course, any creative, you, you're just driven by the desire to create. That's what we do. Yep. Um, and I think for me, 
you know, it was, I mean, it was a monumental decision because on one hand, I think people from the outside looking in would think, man, you're nuts. You've got a, a stable gig with somebody at the top of the industry. And, um, and yeah, that was all true, but there's no such thing as truly stable. I mean, you know, right. people with corporate jobs can get, I mean, a good friend of mine, you know, worked for AT&T for decades and all of a sudden out of nowhere, he was, you know, let go. And, um, you know, and of course in our world, it's, it's stable in that, you know, I could have worked for Michael for the rest of his career if I wanted to. Um, but the downside is that if he, you know, and he's 15 years older than me, he's 65. Um, so at some point, you know, it's inevitable that he's either going to slow down or decide he doesn't want to do it anymore. Now, I don't, he's never going to decide he doesn't want to do it. Michael is wired to, he's going to do this until the Lord calls him home. Yep. Um, but I, I think the other thing for me is I've had my own artistic aspirations my entire life. And I spent 27 years helping Michael do what he does and, and a few other artists. Um, and I've loved it. I mean, it, it was I mean, it was like winning the lottery when I was 22 years old to get that job. And it was incredibly fulfilling. It was it was like, con, you know, it's just a constant stream of is this really happening to me? Am I really getting to do this? So stepping away from it was terrifying. Um, but I guess I got to the point where I really started feeling a tug on my heart, you know, in my spirit that I've got some some stuff to say musically and artistically of my own. And, you know, after 27 years of, of being completely focused on someone else's career, I just, it was burning in me. It, it got to the point where I just felt like, okay, God is opening some doors. And even though it's going to be painful to step away from this in some ways, it's also exciting. And um, I believe 100% I'm supposed to do this because it's, I was talking to one of my pastor friends back in fall when I was making the decision, because I felt like, Aaron leaving Moses, <laughs> you know, like yeah, it was yeah, my yeah. job for 27 years to prop up Smitty and help him do what he does, which is, you know, incredible. I mean, I, letters and, and encouragement that we've gotten from around the world um, as a result of what he does, uh, specifically, specifically for the church. And I thought, is it okay to step away from that? Because mm. obviously I was called to it. And my pastor friend said to me, Jim, you're, you're going to, with what you want to do with Arcade Orchestra, you're going to be bringing joy to countless people who would never darken the doors of a church. And you're going to have an opportunity to work with people and serve people who would never darken the doors of a church. And the world needs that. People yeah. need to, you know, be treated with kindness and integrity and, and see somebody in the music industry conduct themselves with integrity and honor and to love people and serve people. And that's what we're going to do. And we just happen to be doing it with with 80s music. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, I think my struggle was here I am leaving an obviously important position, you know, that's directly impacting the kingdom. On the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm leaving to do something that's not explicitly Christian, per se. But people are going to know that there's there's more under the surface than than meets the eye. And, and I think people are going to see that there's something deeper there. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that answers the question. It absolutely does. I, I love, I love that. Cause I think it's, it is, um, it's terrifying and scary to jump, like jump mm -hmm. from one, like you said, 
one, what can feel like stable, look, appear to be stable. Yeah. I mean, but in all reality, nothing's actually stable, you know? Right, um, right. And uh, we, I'm, I'm self-employed, and speaking of that, in our, um, when we bought our house, I was talking to our, our agent, and home home uh, home uh, mortgage lenders don't like self-employment oh yeah and, i know <laughs> yeah, you, you know how it goes I and I, I was telling him i was like i can't get fired like i, yeah. I i'm 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 more stable than the guy who works you know <laughs> who can get fired tomorrow and they're like we, we don't see it that way i was like okay right. well it's that's how it is you know but uh, yeah, but right. uh, but in in all reality though it's like when you take a, something and jump it's like it can be it can be terrifying like and it, right. it can be terrifying whether it's job to job or yeah. what what looks like but running after something like that man it's just a, it's just exciting i'm i've yeah. I'm, i've loved watching kind of mm-hmm. watching from a distance your your journey mm-hmm. um but now creatives are we're not administratively gifted like in order right. to be creative it doesn't those two things do not go hand in hand right um, but like you doing what you're doing can you give us some tips how to help balance staying organized and also running after your new dream like running after dreams cuz you're it like it can it can not being organized can actually hinder some of some people yeah. from being or running after something like that. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you kind of balance that or have you kind of figured that out? Well, I can't say I've figured it out because um, for sure that that's a, a very accurate stereotype. Most creatives are not administratively gifted. Um, I think for me, I've always joked that I've got a chronic civil war in my brain between the left and right half. <laughs> Uh, because on one hand, I am very um, detail-oriented and probably OCD and ADD <laughs> uh, in some ways. So I've got, you know, I, I have my notes file in my computer is like the size of an LA phone book. Um, and it's just constantly, every 10 minutes, I get a new idea and I add it to my, and my notes file is divided up into countless categories. Yep. You know? And so... I think one of the things I'm still learning and trying to figure out is how to stay focused, how to, um, I I think one of the things I've identified for me is setting concrete goals because it could be so easy to just be nebulous and say, well, I, I would like to achieve whatever it is, fill in the blank. But if you don't have a concrete goal and plan of action, it's never going to happen because it's so yeah. easy to get just distracted. And I, I struggle with that every day. Um, it helps to have a, a wife who is incredibly gifted with administrative stuff. So she helps, you know, kind of keep me goal oriented and, and all that. But um, another thing that I'm always battling is that stupid phone in, in, in my pocket, that thing that my brother's a pastor as well. And he did a, a message a couple of years ago about, cell phones and how they are the biggest theft of the, the most precious gift will ever be given. One of them is time. And that thing can steal your time. It, you know, and he, he phrased it, I think he said something like, are you contributing or are you consuming? And most of us, if we're honest, when we, like when it comes to social media, we consume, we sit there and we scroll and we, we, you know, waste all this time, whereas, you know, the idea should be to contribute, you know, Mm -hmm. I I try to post stuff, you know, that helps other people ideally, or that, that, you know, gives other people ideas or whatever, of course, not all the time. But um, anyway, that's, that's a whole topic unto itself is not letting your time be stolen, because 
it, it, you never get it back, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I battle that all the time. Uh, I think we all do to some degree, but I'm trying to get to the point where when I start the day, I, I do what I need to do. If I need to post something, I post it and then put my phone in a drawer and, and only check it, you know, maybe on a lunch break or, you know, at the end of the work day or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I creative is always, people are yeah. listening going, how does he count his steps? Oh, it really, if you think about, I saw an ad for, for some, I think it was an app for tracking your time, but there was a stat in that ad that said, most of us are on track to giving 22 years of our lives to staring at a, at a screen. That's terrible. And it's, it's convicting and it's, it's yeah. nauseating because it's like, really? I mean, all the stuff that I could accomplish if I wasn't, you know, wasting time on, yep. on something that's, you're never going to get it back. I always jokingly say, but semi-serious, I, I want to go back to a blockbuster and flip phone day yeah, where, yeah. Where, where, you know, it's like you go check out your movie at blockbuster and your yeah. phone is, you, you can, you can call. That's the extent yeah. of your Right. The extent of your conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't need, I don't need all these other, all these other things coming at me. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, truly, especially for creatives. Cause it's like the phone kind of, it, it like masks the idea that you can create through it. And right. you know, like, well, I need it for picking a posting and I'm always, right. I'm all about creating the graphic. I'm all about this and that. And it's, yeah. it's like, well, that's, what is that actually doing? You know, what is right. that actually contributing? Right. And then when they go, it's like it used to just be posts and then it was stories yeah. and then it's reels and then yeah now i got to do all of them and then you know right. new new platforms are coming out and you're like i can't ah yeah. how do i yeah. how do i do all of that and call it yeah. you know make it work and so yeah yeah man that's yeah and it's it's a it's a double-edged sword because it, it i wish i could get off of it altogether yeah. but the, the problem is that's where all my business comes from and i have to advertise i have to talk about what we're doing because otherwise it's not going to succeed, but, Oh, it just gets draining because then you get sucked into, you know, what are people saying? And next thing you know, 30 minutes goes by and all, what have you done with that 30 minutes? You're, you're either feeding your ego or you're feeding your fears right. <laughs> because you're worried about, you know, it's like either way, it's not, not healthy. Yeah. Nothing. So, yeah. It's not. Yeah, totally. Anyway. What? So you, you have, you have, you had something, and then you had this, you had this moment or this, this season of like, I need to change. And then mm -hmm. you made the jump. So what would you say to the creative that's sitting back right now thinking, I have a dream, but man, I am hesitant to jump. Like I am like what I have feels stable. Mm -hmm. And like, I want to go after that thing that I'm, I've been dreaming about or looking at. And like, I don't, what would you kind of, what was some like um, helpful ideas or just some encouragement you can give to that person who's like, I just, I want to jump, but I don't know where to or how to jump. Or is it now? Is it later? Yeah. Should I wait? You know, it's not stable yeah. type of a thing. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Sure. And that that's a tough one too, because I know for me, I'm a chronic overthinker. And so, you know, my wife said, so we, we talked about this all last summer uh, with, with close friends. Like, you know, when I, when I got to the point where I felt like it was imminent, I talked about it with, with a handful of close friends and family and counsel and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things my wife said is, as long as I've known you, that, which is at this point going on 10 years, she said, you've been restless. As much as you love Michael and, and, and the guys you work with and you love what you get to do, I've known that there's this, this itch 
inside you, this, mm. this drive to do something, you know, on your own. And, um, so I spent the better part of last summer and fall just constantly, you know, of course I was thinking about it for a long time, but really being intentional about, you know, weighing the risks and, um, it might sound trite, but praying about it, you know, yeah. and asking God to give you direction because he promises to give us wisdom if we ask for it. And so, you know, of course, for most of us, God doesn't speak audibly, but he, you know, he speaks through his word and he speaks through, you know, wise counsel. And so just trying to weigh all of that. And, you know, you do have to take inventory of risks and all that kind of stuff. And, and in my case, man, it was, it felt like a huge risk because there's no guarantees. You know, we're, what we're trying to do here is something that um, it, <laughs> I can't do it on my own. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's an epic undertaking. It's going to require a lot of money that I don't have. So, you know, I'm thinking we got to get investors and corporate sponsors and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but ultimately at the end of the day, I thought this is burning in me so much. And all the signs are there that I can see that say, this is the time to do this, you know, specifically with, with eighties oriented stuff being so popular again, I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen? I fail. Um, but, you know, but if you flip that coin, well, what happens if it succeeds? And I think the chances are so good, given the the product itself, you know, which is um, 80s music that everybody loves. I just thought, if you know, I've got enough connections and, and you know, friends in the industry that I think will be on board with it. And, and I've talked to a bunch of them about it. And they all say, yeah. you've got to do this. It, you know, somebody's going to do it. It might as well be you. And it's going to be hard and there are no guarantees, but I felt like, look, I just turned 50 years old. I'm going to regret it the rest of my life if I don't try it. Um, you know, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. And, and it felt absolutely crazy. It still does most days because we're a far way off from, from it succeeding. But um, I keep seeing lots of encouragement that it, we're on the right track. And so I think if you really, if you spend time praying about something and you, you just try to exercise some wisdom, man, life's too short to not take risks. And, um, you know, so that's kind of where I landed. I just thought, you know, I just think this is, it's an idea whose time has come yeah. and I know what my skill set is. And I think if I surround myself with the right people and just keep trusting God that, that, you know, I, I believe he gives people ideas and I think he dropped this one in my lap. And, um, so, you know, I'm excited about it. it. It may not turn out exactly as I hope or dream, but I do think it's going to succeed in some way. And, yep. and so I'm just, I'm banking on it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Can you give us the arcade orchestra elevator pitch? So, yeah, one of the taglines we keep telling, uh, people is this is the first time in music history that an entire generation loves their parents' music. That has never happened before. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, when I started kind of taking inventory, watching cultural impact of the eighties come back, you know, first with stranger things, that was probably the big indicator. And, and then more stuff like that Cobra Kai, which is, you know, the TV continuation of the karate kid films. And then last summer, uh, I took uh, my daughter to see the new Top Gun movie, 
And you know, she's 19 years old and all the way home for 20 minutes, she kept chewing my ear off saying, dad, you grew up in the best decade. You had the best music. Um, everything was fun and optimistic and not depressing. And the music itself wow. was amazing because it, it, it had melody and it's memorable. And these are iconic songs that are going to, you know, that they're already 30 to 40 years old and people are still singing them. You hear them everywhere. And I'm thinking this is a 19 year old telling me this stuff. And then all her friends are saying the same thing and, and friends, you know, my friends, kids are saying the same thing. And I just thought, you know what, if somebody comes along and reimagines this, all this great music with a live orchestra. Um, I mean, you know, the kind of way we're pitching it is what if Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Hans Zimmer put together an epic eighties show. That's three hours of the biggest songs of the decade with an incredible production. Yeah. All these elements. I think people are going to go crazy for it. And I just think who, who wouldn't want to go see a show like that? Um, and I'm being really intentional about the, the songs. I mean, it's, it's just timeless, timeless material, you know, and I'm, you know, of course I'm trying to be tasteful about what songs we use and which ones we don't use, but by and large, most stuff in the eighties, especially by today's standards, it was all, relatively innocent it was fun it was optimistic and you know everybody that comes to one of these shows is going to bring their their memories to it you know and the the nostalgia aspect is powerful but i think there's a way to do it that's not cheesy um that honors the the artists that created the music and and honors the music itself and and is respectful of it you know i think a lot of people when they do cover songs they either destroy them um, or in the rare case that somebody does a great job with it. I think there's a way to, you kind of ride that fine line between, you know, why would you redo one of these songs? They don't need any help. They're so good as they were. So what we're going to do is everything that people love about them, it's still going to be there. We're just adding some, some, you know, orchestral and kind of epic film cinematic elements that they're just going to take them over the top. Um, oh, it's so, so good. Now yeah. I know you're in the, you're still in the like launch dreaming, planning, mm-hmm. writing phase. Is there a timeline to when it's like, this could be a thing yep. that we're, yep. we could go see? Yes. Be a part of? Yep. Um, we're planning to start releasing singles uh, next month in September. Uh, okay. The first one should come out. And then we want to release one single every month up until the debut show, which is we're shooting right now for um, summer of next year um ideally maybe june of next year we do the debut show in nashville at bridgestone arena and blow it out we're talking about you know filming it and making almost like a documentary we're we're looking at doing a a documentary series where we go around the world and and, uh interview some of the original 80s artists and talk about their experience in the 80s and the cultural impact and um so yeah so we do the debut show in nashville and then that's our proof of concept. And then we take that on tour around the U S to major markets, uh, in late half of 2024. And then probably by 2025, it, you know, we're hoping to take it around the world. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I love, I mean, being a creative myself, I love listening to somebody stew and build and dream mm-hmm. something and then go, not just go, that'd be really fun. Like yeah. that'd be fun to do that, but you go, no, here's the plan. Like we're moving forward with it and yeah, you know, yeah. making this thing come to life. It's always interesting to me when you sit back and go, everything you see was somebody's mm-hmm. dream, was somebody's right. idea, was somebody's concept. Right. 
you know, even a song. You go, somebody sat down one time and wrote this stuff. I mean, we talk about John Williams earlier in the yeah. in the episode here. And it's like he sat down and wrote music for Star Wars. Like, I mean, right. you just go, you wrote the music for Star Wars. Like, and if right. that was, you know, right. just the, you know, just, you know, you wrote this the Jaws. Like, just just that is mm-hmm. enough to go, wow. And then, but but to go, this guy's and people are creating and building and man, I just it lights me up. I get I get excited yeah. about those kind of things. Yeah. So so sure. so we call our podcast the table, and um, I believe good conversation happens over good food. And mm. so this is an important question because we ask this question mm-hmm. at the end of all of our podcasts. If I'm coming over to the Daniker house for dinner, what is an what is a meal that would be on the table? Like what? Man, my my pastor friend I was telling you about earlier, he and his wife came over last fall and my wife Anita is a phenomenal cook and she made, <laughs> I thought he, he's going to sleep on the couch for six months. He said <laughs> in front of his wife, he said, this is the best food I've ever tasted. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh bro, you're, <laughs> you're going to be on couch duty. <laughs> so she made, um, it was like, uh, it was like filet you know, mignon with, with, uh, like garlic mashed potatoes. Oh and, man an Italian sausage soup and, and um, oh, I forget what else, green beans, you know, whatever. It was just a really good, you know, comfort food kind of thing. But, but um, any man, anytime you get meat and potatoes combined, it's a good day for me. It's a good but day right she, there. It, it was really, really well done. It wasn't um, not the meat. Cause I think well done steak is a federal crime. Well done. Uh, it, it done, done well, done well. Yes, better right, right. <laughs> Properly done. Yeah. Properly right. done. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but man, we're foodies. Uh, we, we're always goofing around like Indian food. And um, of course, I, I, you know, barbecue for me is a favorite. Um, just about anything. You know, we're, we're into all kinds of stuff. Oh, so I love, I, it's my favorite question of the podcast. I ask it at the end of every podcast. Yeah. It's like, yeah. That's everybody awesome. has a different answer and where it comes from and like what, you know, what that looks like and what, what, yeah. what, what, but I'm, anytime I interview anybody, who's over in the Nashville, every, always comes back to meat. Like it always, always, yeah, always right. meat involved in the conversation. Yep. yep absolutely. <laughs> That's just absolutely. Not wrong. That's not wrong. That's a good, yeah. it's a good world there. <laughs> hey, so can you tell us how, how do we connect with you and like arcade orchestra and like, tell us about, you know, where we can go find stuff that's sure. coming. You mentioned there's some singles maybe coming soon. Yeah. Um, kind of where's well, all that at? First stop probably is arcadeorchestra.com. And then uh, same on socials. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just look up Arcade Orchestra. Uh, I think Matt, my business partner, he's got us on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok and I probably never will be. But um, he's got <laughs> us there. Uh, I'm not sure if we're on Twitter or not. It's the same thing. I'm not on there. I, I think I still have an account, but it's a cesspool. So I don't. I never go on it. Um, but yeah, all the usual spots. YouTube, we've got a YouTube channel that's that's quickly growing. Yeah. Um, just type in arcade orchestra pretty much anywhere and you'll find us. Awesome. So, and of course my personal site is just jimdaniker.com and I'm on, you know, Facebook and Instagram as well, but I love so, it, man. Yeah. I, I love what you're doing. Like I'm, Thank I'm excited. You. I'm excited about you taking an idea and just making it, making it happen and like throwing everything at it going, this is, mm-hmm. this is something we're going to do it. And like, I think you said a minute ago, it may fail. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't know if it's going to fail unless you go after it and try right. it. And, um, but a lot of those things you go, it may fail. It's probably not going to. Yeah. Like I it, don't think and, it is. It's just, yeah. it's too good an idea. And I don't say that to toot my own horn. It's just, it, it, 
again, so many people have said, well, somebody's going to do this. It's so obvious. Yep. And it's kind of been shocking to me that nobody has done it yet. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I, I think it's, all we need is money. So, Hey, you know, and we've got lots of investment opportunities. It's, that is Jim it, it, at jimdanneker.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. There's, um, we, we, yeah, the, I don't know what you call it, the pitch deck that my partners put together. It's the numbers are actually shocking for, for potential investors. It, it's, it's going to do well, I think for people that want to be involved that way. So I love it. Now you say like, like trans Siberian orchestra, are we talking lights and fire and all the things? Oh my gosh. Much- yeah. Pr- the production. When I think initially one of the misconceptions we're, we're having to straighten out is people think, Oh, it's a symphony show. No, it's not. It's not going to be coat and tie or anything like that. It's not even going to be a flat stage with a symphony on it. They're going to be scattered throughout the production in a way that I can't really talk about yet. Yep. But it's it's going to be a mind blowing production. Um, it, it, you know, we want people to feel like when they walk into the arena. I mean, we're even going to build a, a basically a, a, a small mall that's going to have like a Sam Goody music and all these vintage '80s stores where you can buy. CDs and uh, cassettes and vinyl of your favorite of our artists. And uh, we're talking about bringing back uh, iconic merchandise, like members only is on board with us, yes. um, you know, for, for clothing, orange Julius, um, all this eighties candy. I mean, it's orange gonna be Julius. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be the full eighties experience. We oh want people to walk gosh, out and go like, this is the closest thing to getting in a DeLorean and going back 35 years. <laughs> and um yeah, so it's it's going to be bonkers the stuff that we're going to try and pull off now. The, will, the production, yeah. Will you be on stage or will you oh my be gosh. watching? Yeah, ultimately, Jason, it, it, this comes down to this is just an, uh, my best shot at being in all the '80s bands I wanted to be in as a teenager. <laughs> That's really what this is all about. Right. I just I, I just want to be there. That's what I'm going to yeah. create it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but absolutely, I'm going to be on stage, musical director, and playing you know a massive synth rig and and uh, having the time of my life so, so good man yeah hey yeah. i i am i'm looking forward to that that un- unwinding and going and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm, I'm coming when that when that awesome. happens awesome. i'll be there like that that, that 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 that's a cool that's just a great thing man i like i said i saw when you pulled back from from touring and i was like what is he do- what does he do? Who gives that He's up? Crazy. Like, what is <laughs> yeah. happening? You know, and then what is you wrong see with it going, oh, oh, there's I see this now. Like I see what's happening and yeah, all those a lot not, not a lot of people realize what it takes to do that, but when you right. run after it, there's yeah. a certain kind of energy that just comes from yeah. running after an idea and people running with you as you yeah. kind of go towards it. And so yeah. Anyway, and I love yeah, it. that's totally it. It's contagious. I mean, people when we tell people about it, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm there. Like yeah. I, I totally, I'd pay 50 bucks to see that show or whatever. You know, I just. Now was, was you know. the name Arcade Orchestra, was that all sitting there or did you have to go search and no. you have to figure it out? And it Man, we, t- we went through about a month. Uh, the trademark search uh, alone was exasperating because I, I filled up pages of ideas. Uh, initially it was called Time Machines. That's, that was my operating title for a while. Yep. Because it was a play on words. I'm thinking with, I wanted to incorporate all the technology of the eighties, especially synthesizers and drum machines. And I wanted to take people back in time. So, you know, obvious problem is time machines failed the copyright test in about three minutes. Um, so we just banged our heads against the wall for a while. And, and, uh, you know, we, we love the word arcade. And of course we wanted to try and suggest the orchestral part of it. And so it just kind of happened. And, um, Everybody loves it. Everybody loves the name. So yes. Yeah. I think it's fun. I love it. 
Yeah. Hey, hey man, thanks for hanging out today. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. And uh, um, we will we will see everybody next week.